Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game podcast. The Wolves beat the Hawks by 21 on Monday night behind a triple-double from Kyle Anderson. A cool 32 from Anthony Edwards in his hometown of Atlanta. There's plenty to break down in this one. Really, most everybody played well. And it's, it's there's some interesting rotation stuff that happened. Plenty to get into today here on the post-game pod. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 off just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and it's a victory Tuesday after the Wolves. Big win over the Atlanta Hawks on Monday night. We're going to break the whole thing down here on the postgame pod today. First off, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. That's on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and my account, which is at BBeacon. And that's with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right, Big Wolves win on Monday. The Atlanta Hawks had been playing a little bit better under Quinn Snyder, of course, making the coaching change here a couple weeks ago. And... um uh, you know, a, a good win. The Wolves won by 21. It was nearly wire to wire. They they uh, only trailed by by a, a single point early in this game. Wolves were up by 11 at the end of the first, up by 24 at halftime, end up winning by 21. No real moments of true panic. I think the Hawks got it down to 13 midway through the fourth quarter, but Kyle Anderson gets an and one. There's a bit of, um, you know, just kind of calm suddenly from the Wolves and the Hawks are the ones that you could kind of feel the air go out of their sails, the wind go out of their sails, I guess, the air go out of the building, mixing metaphors there. Um, but that was like the only time it ever was really kind of sort of in doubt and it never really felt that way. This was just a professional win and perhaps not surprisingly, the best players on the floor for the Wolves, uh, the best player on the floor was Kyle Anderson. And uh, you could argue Rudy Gobert. I mean, the line, you know, if you looked at all five starters, the one that pops out the least would be Rudy Gobert's of the five. But I would argue that he was, the line is not indicative of how well he played. We'll get into that here in a minute. But I do want to start with Anthony Edwards. I think um, I, I, I'd i like to do that. And then we'll get to Kyle Anderson. We'll get to Gobert. I, the rest of the starting lineup, everybody really played well in this game. Um, and also the bench. Man, there's a ton to talk about. But let's start with Ant because he did score 32. He's the headline grabber. Um He's in his hometown, the whole thing. 32 points, 12 of 25 shooting, just a shade under 50%. But he was only 2 of 10 on three-point attempts in this game. That means he was, um, what is that, 10 of 15 on two-point attempts. He got to the line 10 times, 10 free-throw attempts for Anthony Edwards, making six of them. He also added eight rebounds, five assists, a couple of blocks, and a steal. Had three turnovers. Um, My opinion on Ant's game, like, I've already seen like immediately after the game or during the game, even I've seen Twitter, like the highlight, there were like three really nice dunks, no monster poster dunks, but like three really bouncy, really springy two handed slams for Ant in this game. And he had a couple of dagger threes. The one, I think it was over Deandre Hunter that, that you know, the game was basically over, but it was just cold blooded at the end of the game leading to that last Hawks timeout. 
those things are the moments on Twitter that everybody sees. And it's like, man, this is, this is all-star ant, right? And, and rightfully so they're all wow moments. And then you've got this other side of things where it's like, you know, he was, what was he in the first half? He was like, oh, of six or oh, of seven outside the arc. He missed, I think his first, at least seven, if not eight, three point attempts was missing at the free throw line. Um, you know, had, had a couple of head scratching turnovers. Like there's that side of it too. Like his halftime line, I, I had it here a minute ago. I lost it. It was not good. Like shooting the ball was not good. But then you look at the line after the game, and other than that, if you don't see the two of 10 outside the arc, you'd be like, oh man, 32, eight and five, 12 of 25 from the floor. Like, we'll take that. And it really was, I you know, I hate to just kind of, it feels like I'm punting using this term, but it was a mixed bag for Anthony Edwards. It was neither of, or it was both of those things, right? It was, there were amazing, outstanding, really frankly, all NBA moments. And there were, oh, he's 21 and he's, you know, at times can be, you know, we're getting a little out ahead of our skis in terms of evaluating Anthony Edwards and what he is today versus what his ceiling is. Um, both were true in this game. There were some, and I talked about this with Marnie on, on the postcast, Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North. We talk, if you're listening on audio, it's the last episode before this. We did this live about an hour after the game. And I, I opened the show, I opened the postcast by saying, hey, Ant played way better than he did Friday against Brooklyn. And Marnie was like, yeah, you know, he did, but... But some of those shots that he was taking, they weren't, they weren't perfect, right? The shot selection wasn't perfect. And she's 100% right. You know, going back and looking at that, there were some of those, like, they're not heat check threes. It's the opposite, right? It's like, I think Marnie said it was like he was trying to break the seal, right? Because he missed his first six or seven outside the arc. So Ant's thinking, I'll shoot my way out of this. Because that's the type of player he is. He has confidence. And, the you know, Chris Finch doesn't want Anthony Edwards to stop shooting threes. But the Timberwolves want his shot selection to, to be smart at the same time. And, you know, I, I agreed with what Marnie said, but then I also, I kind of countered on the postcast and I was like, look, I think, you know, both are true again. Like he got into the paint. He got to the line 10 times. He also launched 10 threes. Eventually they were going to go in. It's Anthony Edwards. He's a, he's a really good, he's a good three point shooter. He's a really good player in general. You don't want him to stop shooting. So it was like, um, there were a couple of moments where it's like, okay, you're getting to the paint. It was one of the best points in the paint games in Timberwolves franchise history. I mean, that's how prolific they were, how easy it was for Minnesota to get into the paint and score against this Hawks defense. Um, Minnesota had what? 82 point paint points in this game, which I believe the franchise records 84, if I'm not mistaken. It was just like, why bother shooting threes if you can make so much hay in the paint? And that's why it was maybe a little bit frustrating um, at times, the shot selection. In general, I thought his overall decision-making was good. He had a couple of really nice assists in this game. He had five assists to three turnovers. Um, I, I thought that the the decisions with the ball in his hands were mostly good. It was less of the head down straight isolation that we saw against the Nets on Friday because uh, there was too much of that, frankly, last time out. And you look at this game, Ant had five assists. Mike Conley had six assists. Rudy Gobert had four assists. Kyle Anderson had 12 assists. We'll talk about him and his triple-double here next. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin had five off the bench. Like the Wolves had 39 assists as a team to only 10 turnovers. This was a good passing game for Minnesota. They moved the ball. The offensive, the, the, the movement in general was there. The ball movement was there. There were cutters. There was, you know, passing on the perimeter. Pick and roll game was smart. Um, and it really feels like I'm oversimplifying it to say like, hey, how much of this is just straight ball movement? Like how how important is that? But it opens everything up. It sounds so simple. But if the ball's moving... 
it's harder to double-team Anthony Edwards if you're snapping the ball around the perimeter. And when the ball rotates back to Ant, or to anybody for that matter, if the ball's moving, whoever's receiving it, you're either going to get an open jumper or you're going to have a half step to a full step on the defender. They're going to be out of position. They might be sliding back to get in front of you. You get the angle. You can cut them off and go to the rim. How many times have we seen teams do that to the Wolves by using by using really strong ball movement? The Wolves can do that to other teams, and they've now got the athletes to beat people off the dribble, whether it's Ant, Jade McDaniels. Um, I mean, I guess those would be the two, like Kyle Anderson's not like blowing past anybody, but those are the two primary guys that can do that, right? And ball movement leads to those moments. And and set defenses, it's part of the reason Chris Finch wants to go fast because set defenses now are trying to trap Anthony Edwards and sometimes doing it successfully. If the Wolves can get down the court, you know, whether it's in as a, in a fast break or a secondary break, before the defense is fully set, they could be so much more successful. And a lot of times out of that secondary break, it's swing the ball to the other side, right? It may not be on that first push. It may not be in that three-on-three three or three-on-two down the court. Hopefully you're scoring in a three-on-two, but maybe it's not, right? Maybe you reverse the ball and the, it's a trail three, like when Carl Anthony Towns comes back, right? Or you reverse the ball and maybe Ant was the first one down the court. You reverse you you reverse it to the other side and then Jade McDaniels gets a pump fake dribble drive opportunity at the basket or comes back around and you're only still 10 seconds in the shot clock and it's Ant being the beneficiary of the ball movement. But ball movement is so vital to the success of any offense, but to what the Wolves are trying to do. And if you're in straight half court, that's when you get into the Rudy pick and roll, right? That's when you convert on the lobs to Rudy. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But for Ant to be successful consistently and for the for Jade McDaniels too to be successful, um, though I would say those two guys benefit the most from that rapid ball movement. Because if, if you're talking screen and roll, you're talking Conley and Anderson and Gobert are primarily the guys, and obviously Ant, but Ant's going to, that's when teams are are doing what they can to force the ball out of his hands. Um, so I, I was impressed with the ball movement generally in this game. I want to talk a little more about Rudy and Kyle Anderson both. Also, little Jaden McDaniels, some bench talk. Um, we'll do individual studs and duds here at the end of the show, but there's still plenty, plenty to get to. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our new friends at Ibotta. We're always throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on and on and on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, the game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta, or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta. That includes Macy's, Lowe's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Okay, we've talked and we've talked offensive flow. Um, let's talk about the vets. Let's talk Rudy and Rudy, Rudy Anderson, Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson. 
Um, let's start with Kyle because we probably I've probably gone too long in the show without recognizing the triple double. By the way, the fun stat that's floating around, I believe the way they had it on TV on Valley Sports North was Kyle Anderson is the first Timberwolves player to have multiple double doubles in a season since Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love in the 2013-14 season. I saw Timberwolves PR didn't mention Rubio, just mentioned Kevin Love. So I don't know. Um, I can't confirm, but either way, through 13-14, whether it was Rubio and or Love. Um, impressive statistic for Kyle Anderson, to be sure. And also a little surprising. I guess Towns only has, what, maybe one or two career triple-doubles total, like not just, uh, you know, not two in a season. So anyway, Anderson, though, 14 points on just six shots in this game. He only attempted six shots. It was five of six shooting, one of two outside the arc. His only miss was an air ball from the left corner. Made his other five-shot attempts in this game. Got to the line three times. Had a big and one, by the way, when the game was down to, it was a 13-point game with, roughly six minutes to play and Anderson got fouled, hit the shot, hit the free throw, big play um, that, you know, that's the moment where it's kind of teetering, right? You need your vet to make a big play. Slow-mo does just that. He finishes with 14 points on those six shots, 12 assists to only two turnovers, 10 rebounds, two steals and two blocks. So a pretty stat stuffing performance for Anderson. Also a plus 33. If you're into individual game, individual player, single game plus minus, which uh, is a fickle, quote-unquote statistic to say the least, but here I think it paints a good picture. A plus 33 in a strong defensive game from Kyle Anderson. Um, Very, very switchable as always, and the Wolves' defensive scheme, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because the Wolves won and Trey Young, well, he had a good scoring game, was kind of forced to just do what he could in the mid-range and get to the line, which is what he does generally anyway. Um, You know, he he prefers to shoot more threes than he did in this game, but he's not a dynamic three-point shooter necessarily. And yeah, Trey had his 41, but the Wolves strategy was just like throw length at him, like make things difficult, try and force him, run him off the three point line, make him get in among the trees and try and score. The Wolves actually, I was really impressed with the lack of foul trouble. Um, Luca Garza did his thing and ended up with five fouls in 18 minutes. Nobody else had more than four. And uh, McDaniels ended up with four fouls in 26 minutes. So I guess he had a little bit of foul trouble there in the middle of the game, but the length of Kyle Anderson, the, uh, the intelligence of Kyle Anderson, knowing where to be and when, was so prominent in this game on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively. Like the triple double is what jumps off the page, obviously. But the triple double has nothing to do with defense, other, I guess, defensive rebounding, which all 10 of his rebounds, by the way, were defensive in nature. Um, but he was, he was his consistent self on both ends of the floor, uh, made the right decisions on offense, ran a little bit of offense, ran some fast break. A very well-rounded game, and this was this was a game where you need the, um, I get a little tired of this phrase, but the quote-unquote adults in the room to say, hey, look, it's a one-game road trip. We had a bad overtime loss to Brooklyn Friday. Not a bad loss, but a really disappointing one, a game they really should have won. You can't punt this one-game road trip to a mediocre Atlanta Hawks team that just went through a coaching change. You have to win. And yeah, it's frustrating that you'd be in fifth in the West if you'd won Friday and Monday, but you didn't. Now win Monday. And Kyle Anderson was a huge part of that. I I think that um, uh, clearly uh, that was something that was talked about in the locker. I mean, actually, Joe Boylan, the Timberwolves assistant coach, said at halftime with Katie Storm on Valley Sports North, 
mentioned that Torian Prince said at halftime in the locker room, something to the effect of, you know, play the game, don't play the score. Like, don't be, don't think, hey, we're up 24. We're up 24, right? Just play the game. Play like you came out in the first quarter. The Wolves largely did that. They lost the second half by three points in total, but there was never this massive letdown. And Kyle Anderson, again, is that steadying hand that we, that Timberwolves fans have grown accustomed to seeing. Rudy Gobert, I said this off the top of the show, 14 and eight, like that's not a really, that's not a sexy box score line, right? 14 and eight, four assists, three blocks. You know, it's nice, five of 10 shooting, four or five at the free throw line. So he, he did shoot free throws much better than his performance the other night. But I liked his game. And, and Marty and I talked about this on the postcast as well. But but Rudy was in the right place at the right time. He had really good feel in this game. Sometimes, you know, the the feel has been a bit off. The, the, um, the chemistry between the Wolves ball handlers and, and Rudy in terms of positioning where they are on the floor. There were a couple early rough possessions. You know, Kyle Anderson threw him a rough pass at the ankles, kind of reminiscent of what D'Angelo Russell used to do all the time with Rudy. But as the game went on, Rudy converted lob dunks. I need to go back and look, but I think by at least three different people threw him lobs in this game. Jordan McLaughlin threw him a nice one. Um, there was somebody else that I can't remember who it was. It might have been Nikhil Alexander-Walker that you wouldn't expect to just throw a really nice lob pass to him. Um, just a, a solid Rudy Gobert game. Not a jump off the page Rudy Gobert game, but a professional one that in tandem with Kyle Anderson, uh, who scored, there were the two low men of the five starting starting members of the starting lineup. Conley had 21, like talking about the adults in the room, quote unquote, 21 and six for Mike Conley, nine of 13 shooting, three of five outside the arc. Jaden McDaniels had 19 points, 10 of which were in the first quarter when the Hawks tried to guard Jaden McDaniels with Trey Young and the Wolves said, all right, well, I mean, he's like a foot taller, not actually, but he's a lot taller and a lot longer and Trey Young's not a good defender in the first place. So we'll just throw this in to McDaniels and see what happens. And that was a big part of the Wolves scoring 40 in the first quarter and building that 11 point lead by the end of the first frame was the Hawks saying, we're going to guard you with Trey Young, guard you and McDaniels with Trey Young, and the Wolves saying, fine, we'll we'll take that matchup. Um, so just a really strong across-the-board starting lineup game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Rudy and Kyle Anderson, their game stuck out the most to me. Of course, Conley had the best line, right? 21-6 and six with only one turnover, 9 of 13 shooting. And um, also just kind of hit a couple of big shots early after the rough three of 13 shooting on Friday. That was good to see him bounce back in the way that he did. Uh, so good game from Conley too. Um, lastly, the bench, I thought the bench and the rotation from Chris Finch was pretty intriguing in this game. We saw Torian Prince get 22 minutes off the bench. McDaniels only had 26 minutes. Conley only played 28 minutes. Part of that was due to the, to the margin, but not entirely. Josh Minot came into the game at the end of the first quarter as a defensive substitution, and the Wolves had Anthony Edwards guarding Trey Young on the final possession of the quarter. But they had Josh Minot and Jane McDaniels both re-enter the game. Well, McDaniels re-enter, Minot enter. So you had all three of those guys on the floor and no point guard. They took Jordan McLaughlin off the floor because it's a defensive possession, and, and the Wolves just said, hey, Chris Finch said, hey, switch everything. And so sure enough, Ant uh, gets screened, they switch. Minot forces Trey Young into a tough mid-range fall away that he misses. The Wolves actually tried to do the same thing at the end of the third quarter, tried to put Minot back in the game for the same scenario, but he didn't get to the table in time and he didn't get back in until garbage time. But I talked about this with Marnie on the postcast. I'm intrigued to see if this is something the Wolves try a bit more. Now, Austin Rivers did not play. Uh, of course, Carl Diddy Towns will be back eventually, hopefully. I shouldn't say of course, hopefully. Um, so there's going to be a lot more options for Chris Finch, but... Minot, I think, has shown the ability to be a lockdown defender. If you just want an all-length lineup out there, 
I don't think we can like call it the death lineup or anything crazy like that at this point, but an all length bounciness lineup like Jade McDaniels, Josh Mida, Anthony Edwards, like it's not going to get much better than that. You add in, you know, maybe Mike Conley's on the floor. You have Kyle Anderson at the five. If you want to go smaller, you have Anderson at the four, Gobert at the five, whatever you do, there's so much length on this team. We said this at the beginning of the year with D'Angelo Russell in the starting lineup, but now if you add Josh Minot to the mix as somebody who potentially, not rotation minutes, but gets situational minutes moving forward, that's a scary defensive lineup. There's a lot of upside to what this team, and the Hawks are a good defensive team. I know they scored 115, but the Wolves forced 15 turnovers. I think 10 or 11 were in the first half. Atlanta shot four of 22 from outside the arc, 18%. Um, and to me, that's a that's scheme by the Wolves forcing them off the three-point line and just a good job contesting under control. And that is the calling card. I probably should open the show with this. That's the calling card of this Wolves team right now is defense. And it seems silly when they give up 115, and that's what I'm saying. But it seems less silly when you play at the pace the Wolves do and you score 136 and you force them to shoot 18% from three. And nobody besides Trey Young scored more than 16 for the Atlanta Hawks in this game. So that's a recipe. The Wolves are going to try and ride moving forward. And it gets tougher against Boston on Wednesday, even though the Celtics have struggled of late. We'll talk more about that later this week. But uh, that'll be a good test for this Wolves defense that's playing so well here of late. All right. I want to close with individual studs and duds, as we always do. We'll peek ahead, talk about what's on tap here for the Wolves this week. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season has come and gone, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Uh, you know, Wolf Celtics, go check that line out. Prop bets, the whole thing for Wednesday. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's close this thing out by talking individual studs and duds. I talked a lot about the bench unit as a whole um, real quickly before I get to studs and duds because I can't give him a stud. I got to shout out Luca Garza. No uh, Nas Reed in this game. He, he sat out with calf tightness, calf soreness, something like that. Um, I guess officially in the box score tightness. But Garza played really well. In the first half, the Wolves needed those bench minutes. Gobert looked like he tweaked his ankle, that he was questionable to, to begin with. Game time decision after he rolled it on Friday. Gobert hobbled a bit in the first half. He needed to get to, to get a breather. Garza comes in, plays really well in that first stint. He also put up some numbers later in the game and into garbage time. But he did have 14 points on 6 of 7, 3 boards, 2 assists, and a steal. Uh, he also racked up 5 fouls in 18 minutes because it's Luka Garza, and that's what he does. But... Strong minutes. I mean, like it, what they needed, it was that stint in the first half, whatever it was, six, seven minutes. And he gave them that and more. I think he was better than expected. And that's what you need out of your third string center, uh, fourth string center, I guess. And uh, that's what they got from Garza. So good game from Luca. All right. Uh, studs in this one. Obviously, Kyle Anderson talked extensively about him before, but the triple double 14, 12 and 10, five of six shooting, one of two outside the arc, three or three at the line, two steals, two blocks and a plus 33. Slow-mo was fantastic on both ends of the floor in this game. Also got to give one to Mike Conley, 21 and six, plus a rebound and a steal, only one turnover, nine of 13 shooting, hit a couple of nice floaters, uh, at least one really tough kind of um, 
almost kind of a fadeaway three. I think he came around to pin down, caught it, and was kind of moving, drifting back to back into his left and knocked down a tough three. It was three of five outside the arc. Missed the technical free throw after Trey Young picked up the late tech in this game. But a good game for Mike Conley. Again, 21 and six. We'll take that every night of the week. And then Anthony Edwards has to be the third one in this game. Again, I talked a lot about how Rudy played well. Jade McDaniels played really well early. Um, but I mean, Ant, 32 on 12 of 25. Just two of 10 outside the arc and six of 10 at the line. So you'd like to see him do a little better in both of those uh, categories. But eight rebounds, five assists, two blocks and a steal. Three turnovers in 36 minutes. You can deal with that because he played so well in so many other facets. It also just handles the ball a lot for this team. So that, I mean, you know, compared to where he was a couple weeks ago, turnover wise, that's actually improved quite a bit. I didn't really have a problem with Ant and how he took care of the ball in this game. I thought he did pretty well. Um, I guess a, a you know, brief shout out for Torian Prince. He played well against one of his former teams, nine points off the bench for Torian. And uh, we talked about Garza, talked about McLaughlin, kind of a nondescript game from the other guys. Um, but in general, a well-rounded win for Minnesota. Um, they shot almost 59% from the field, 43% from three. They struggled a little at the free throw line. Again, it got better as the game went on, but that's something that we've, you know, we, we kind of need to keep an eye on it. They've, scuffled a bit there here recently, but they also won that turnover battle. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, they only turned it over 10 times. The Hawks turned it over 15, the points in the paint the Wolves had 82 points of the game. Um, the only place the Wolves lost was rebounding. Uh, but that's just because the Hawks missed so many shots and had a million offensive rebounds, a lot of long rebounds on those missed threes. And Yeko Kongwu had nine offensive rebounds himself in this game, which is crazy. Uh, but anyway, strong win for Minnesota. You know, a mediocre Hawks team, but still a relatively healthy Hawks team. They've been playing better of late. They've got a good coach. Um, so a solid win to win by 21 on the road. This weird one game road trip. Go back to Minnesota. Uh, other games from Monday night across the association, not as many. Like the schedule is getting spread out now. Memphis beat Dallas, which is good for the Wolves. Utah lost to Miami, which is also good for the Wolves. As of me recording this following the game, Sacramento's in a one possession game early in the fourth quarter against the Bucks. And uh, same with the Suns and Golden State. They're in the third quarter, and that's a, a two-possession game. So not sure how those are going to shake out. By the time you're listening to this, you probably know, and the standings will be less relevant. So I won't spend a lot of time on that. But uh, as of this recording, after the Jazz lost and, and Jazz lost and the Mavs lost and the Wolves win, the Wolves are now by themselves in seventh place in the West, a full game ahead of Dallas, and technically two because they also have the tiebreaker, a half game behind the Golden State Warriors who are currently playing. So if Golden State loses tonight against Phoenix, which is certainly feasible, Golden State and Minnesota will be tied for the sixth seed in the West. And either way, then will be a half game behind the Clippers for the five seed in the West. Uh, or I'm sorry, a full game behind the Clippers for the five seed in the West. Remember, the Wolves also have that tiebreaker against the Clippers too. So the five seed is far from out of reach. Like it's it's completely possible. And again, they'll be tied for the six seed if the Warriors end up losing tonight. But they're also now a game clear of the Mavs, technically two games, and a game and a half clear of the Lakers, Pelicans, and Thunder. And the Jazz, by the way, fell all the way back to 12th. They were in like ninth, and now they fell to 12th with the loss. So um, good night in the Western Conference for Minnesota. And upcoming, the Wolves have the Celtics Wednesday. We'll preview that on tomorrow's show and talk extensively about that matchup, the upcoming schedule. It's going to be a fun, fun stretch run here uh, down down the stretch the rest of the season. We'll, uh, of course, we'll be back, like I said, previewing Wolves Celtics Wednesday. We'll do the postcast Wednesday night following Wolves Celtics as well. Um, so lots upcoming this week. A packed schedule. They're back on the you know game 
day off game day off thing that we're used to, uh, no more of this two days off in a row business. So, um, lots, lots of action yet this week. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now make your second listen to Game to Game NBA podcast from every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.